Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 18 and today I will be talking about the kidnapping of Shannon Matthews. My sources for today's case are the Shannon Matthews documentary, The Disappearance of Shannon Matthews, which you can find on YouTube and watch it for free. Other sources are bbc.com, wikipedia, and thesun.co.uk. All sources are linked in today's show notes. That afternoon, we were going to swimming bath from school. And as usual, me and Shannon paired up together straight away. When that was over, we got on the coach back together. Once we got off the coach, something didn't seem right. Because her mum told her her brother was picking her up that day after school. But he never showed up. Normally, if, like, she sends one of the kids to pick Shannon up from school, they'd be waiting outside the gates before we even got there. But there was no one there. That was literally, like, the last time I saw her. The first thing that goes through your head if your daughter's missing is who's gone. Literally, from the moment she'd walked out of the school gates, there was not one positive sighting. How can Sharon go missing on a state like that when everybody knows each other? Hundreds of police are involved in a desperate search tonight. Shannon Louise Matthews was born on September 9, 1998. She lived in Dewsbury, West Yorkshire, England with her mom, Karen Matthews, and Karen's much younger boyfriend, Craig Meehan. She also lived with her many siblings in a poorer part of the area. Shannon seemed to be a happy little girl, but she was very introverted, and her friend Megan said that she and Shannon were each other's only friends. Megan said that she and Shannon were bullied, but they didn't care. Shannon's mom, Karen, had fooled a lot of people. Shannon's neighbors all said that Shannon's home life was great, but no one really knew what was really going on behind closed doors. On Tuesday, February 9th, 2008, just nine months after the infamous Madeline McCann case, Shannon Matthews disappeared. She was last seen at 3.10 p.m. after returning from swimming lessons. Her friend Megan said that Shannon was usually picked up from the school, but no one had picked her up that day. The last time she saw Shannon was when she started walking down the roadway from school. By 6.48 p.m., Shannon was still not home, and Karen called 999. She reported her daughter missing after she didn't come home from school. The biggest investigation since the Yorkshire Ripper started. By midnight, Shannon still wasn't home. 
On Wednesday, February 29th, the police started checking any place that Shannon could possibly be. The West Yorkshire police also called in the homicide major inquiry team. It was a very cold day and the first community search is started. By 6 p.m., the news of Shannon's disappearance spreads and hundreds of officers and news vans arrive at the Moorside estate where Shannon's family lived. Good evening. Hundreds of police are involved in a desperate search tonight for a nine-year-old girl who is missing from home in West Yorkshire. Shannon Matthews hasn't been seen since leaving school yesterday. Our correspondent, Mark Simpson, is in Dewsbury tonight. Mark, what are they saying there? Well, Hugh, all day today, Shannon Matthews' mother has been waiting inside the family home here, waiting in vain for her nine-year-old daughter to come home. She's been inside the house all day. On that media appeal, Karen looked rough and looked like she cried buckets. The bags under her eyes, everything. Everybody felt for her. I was sat at home, just watching it on telly. I started crying because nobody knew what had happened. All of Karen's neighbours supported her and the other kids. The first thought people had was that Shannon was abducted by a stranger. By February 21st, Shannon had been missing for 40-plus hours. Cadaver dogs were brought in, helicopters and the police were stopping cars to see if anyone had Shannon. By this point, 500 homes were searched, including 14 homes belonging to Shannon's various family members. They were searched and tested for fingerprints and body fluids. Karen had a very large family, and each of her children had different dads, so they had a very large family tree. By February 22nd, there was no sign of Shannon. At this point, they did release the last CCTV footage of Shannon leaving the swimming pool. Her friend Megan was the last person to see her, and she said something didn't feel right. But the girls were nine years old. There's no way that Megan knew her friend was going to go missing. While the police continued their investigation, they discovered that 1,400 sex offenders lived near Shannon, within a 20-mile radius. The police searched all of these houses as well, and no sign of Shannon was found. On Saturday, March 1st, 2008, a family tree of Shannon's family was created. Karen's lifestyle was talked about a lot, and her family believed that she wanted acceptance and maybe even collect to collect benefits off of each man she had a child with. Karen was unemployed at the time. The police interviewed Shannon's biological dad, Leon Rose, and from my understanding, she didn't have much of a relationship with him. He was in his uh, late 20s, early 30s, from a working class background in Yorkshire. He lived in a, a community a few miles down the road, a semi-rural town. wanted to chat too much, never um, gave that many interviews. For the sake of tape machines, just do just your name, please. Yes, Leon Rose. Okay. I've been looking out every day, basically, out driving about, handing out leaflets, uh, just asking about if anyone's seen out, you know, you know what I mean, any little, littlest detail, 
could mean a great thing, a, a great big deal. Shannon's father, Leon Rose, was interviewed. He did have access to Shannon and he'd seen her quite a lot. But I know that those visits had died off as I think there was issues still between him and Karen. Do you have a theory, an idea of, of, of what's happened? A moment of no idea. All I know is she's, she went to go home from school then, but she didn't go. Uh, that's basically all I know. In that sense, I don't know where she's gone, what she was thinking. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know, no. She had written on her wall, apparently, that she she was talking about coming to, wanting to live with you or come back and... Yeah, that's what I'd heard, yeah. Um, is it, if that's what she's done, but she's run away, she's scared or whatever, I mean, is there a message there? Well, basically, it's like she's watching this, like, you know, um, go home and we'll sort some out, you know what I mean? I would like to see her again. It was determined that Leon had nothing to do with Shannon's disappearance. When the police were searching the Matthews home, they found a note that Shannon might not have been as happy as Karen said she was. Shannon wrote that she wanted to run away. There was a note scribbled on uh, Shannon's bedroom wall saying that she wanted to live with her dad. That gave us some concern. It almost pointed to the fact that there were issues within the family, which was at odds with what Cannon was telling us about things being perfect. Craig Mann was high on the suspect's list early on because of his involvement. With, with, with the family. Craig Meehan was 22 years old. He was interested in computers. He was interested in, in football. Altogether, he came across as quite an awkward figure. After the police found that note, they turned their attention to Craig Meehan. Craig was 22 years old and described as very awkward. When the cameras interviewed Karen, Craig was always there but never spoke. He also spent a lot of time on the computer, but more on that later. Seeing Karen and Craig's interaction for myself, it was just weird. They would kiss on camera and showed li very little emotion. On Sunday, March 9th, 19 days since Sh Shannon went missing, newspapers made shocking allegations against Craig. Karen's parents made the allegations that Craig was violent to Shannon. Of course, he and Karen denied it. Let me ask you directly, have you ever hurt a child? Would you ever consider hurting her? No. Did, did you, were you ever cruel to her? No. There's even a lot of people that could back that up. There's a lot of my friends and family around here. If they even trust me with their kids, I look after my babysit and play it out. Same with that. I would never hurt anyone, basically. Karen and Craig started stepping away from the media and the spotlight. Karen didn't even want to show up for a walk that was orchestrated by her friends and neighbors. She finally showed up and her friends put her in the middle to protect her from the media. Karen might have acted like a wonderful mom who missed her daughter, but behind closed doors she was throwing house parties. There was a lot of drinking and smoking, even when her other young children were there. Karen finally returned to the media and made a very shocking statement. 
really different Karen appeared. She'd had time to collect and compose herself. There were some black rings around her eyes, signs of tiredness, although the red rings from the crying had gone. She spoke very carefully, very deliberately. Most well, probably can't sum up how difficult this has been, that it has been so long now. I mean, what is your daily routine at the moment when, you know, you know you wake up first thing in the morning, if you do manage to sleep? I mean, well, it's hard to sleep, really. It's just I don't feel the same without them not being there, really. It just, it just feels empty. Well, I think there's somebody out there who knows Shannon, but supposed to probably know me as well. And it's just... I just want to know I'm safe, really. Does it make... I mean, if it was somebody that knew her and somebody that might know you, does that, in a, in a, in a, a terrible way, make you suspicious of, 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 of people that are close it's, to you? It makes me think now I can't trust people who's really close to me anymore. I just can't trust them. After this statement, support for Karen turned into suspicion. Shannon's case started to disappear from the international spotlight, unlike Madeline's case. These cases were treated very differently, and a lot of people thought it had to do with the class system. Madeline's family is very well off, and Shannon's was not. I think it's such bullshit, especially because the cases are very similar. The Sun newspaper offered a £20,000 reward, which is about $27,470 in the U.S., by March 10th, the reward went up to £50,000, which is $68,673 in the U.S. Apparently, Karen made many statements about how Madeline's parents were snobs and already had money. Many people started to notice that Karen cared more about money than she did about Shannon or her well-being. The police also discovered that, the, that someone from the Matthews home called the Madeline McCann Foundation asking for a donation. The McCanns apparently thought it was weird, so no money was given. It was also never proven who actually made that phone call. Karen and Craig's behavior was once again put into the spotlight after they let a documentary crew into their home. Many people thought there were too many smiles, and Karen was caught on camera joking around with the neighbor. After the documentary aired, Karen said the media was portraying her as a villain. By Thursday, March 14th, 2008, 24 days since Shannon disappeared, the police received a tip from a local man about a man named Michael Donovan, who is the uncle of Craig Meehan. The tipster said he hadn't seen Michael Donovan, whose real name is Paul Drake, in three weeks. We located the door, banged on that, no response. So my initial thoughts, or our initial thoughts, were, well, it doesn't look as though anybody's here. So we knocked on an address directly at the side of the address that we were interested in. We spoke to a lady occupant there. I said to her, I says, um, have you heard him moving about then? She said, oh, yes. I said, well, when? when? She said, well, not long before you got here. I said, have you heard anybody else moving about there? She says, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've just heard the uh, the, the sound of uh, tiny footsteps of a toddler. 
We just looked at each other. Couldn't believe it. Then it began to dawn on me. He knows now that we're here. And he knows we're trying to get him. The fear then arises that if, if she is in there, is he going to harm her? I said to Paul, we need to get in here. Stairs. I found another door that was locked. No door handle, no lock. It was clearly bolted from the inside. So I told them to put the door in. We just stood for a moment and the flat was eerily silent. I did a quick cursory look round the flat to discover it was it was empty. There's, there's deathly silence. And then I heard a little girl's voice. She said, stop it. You're frightening me now. I knew the voice had come from within the room. I couldn't work out where it was coming from. And then there was some noises from within the double bed base. police found nine-year-old Shannon Matthews in the base of a bed alive. The police walked her outside and asked her where Michael was. She said he was under the bed. The police rushed back inside and escorted Michael from the home. Shannon was alive, but the police could tell that she was exhausted and bewildered. Shannon was taken to the police station and Karen was informed that Shannon was found. By 2.30 p.m., they told her they wanted her to identify Shannon, but could only do so through a glass window. Karen confirmed that, that it was in fact Shannon. The news also reached the Moorside estate and celebrations rang out to celebrate that Shannon was alive. Many people thought that Shannon would return home and everything would go back to normal, but they were very wrong and the truth was about to come out. Michael Donovan was arrested on suspicion of kidnap and false imprisonment and was booked at the Halifax police station. He made a stunning allegation. When Michael Donovan was arrested, uh, he, he shouted out to the officers, get Cullen down here. Uh, she's, she's in it with me. He was very quick to, to tell the police that it was a plot between him and Karen, and it was to uh, extort £50,000. It is a little hard to hear, but Michael said Karen was in on it and that their plan was to extort money. The police tried to question Michael further, but he stopped answering questions. He does have his lawyer read from a three-page statement. She said I was to keep Shannon and look after her and she, Karen, would report her missing. 
I said, what do I do then? She said, you'll take her back to your place and keep her there until I phone you. I said I wasn't happy about this, and she then threatened, if I didn't do it, to get three lads onto me. And I was frightened that if I didn't do it, they would come after me. She told me just to do what she said. She said if I told anyone, or I went to anyone, I would be dead. He claimed he was coerced into this by Karen and that she held sway over him. She was the powerful character in it. But the impression we got, despite, despite it all, is that there was a sort of native cunning about him. The police didn't have any evidence against Karen, but the investigation continued. The police also tracked Michael's movements from the past 24 days. He went to several places while Shannon was locked away in his home. It was also discovered that he would take Shannon outside to the park at night, and he would make her put her hood up while she was in the back seat. At 10 p.m., 72 hours after Shannon was found, the police announced that Michael had been arrested, charged with kidnapping, and false imprisonment. On Tuesday, March 18th, the police brought Karen in for questioning after Michael's allegations. Listen, Karen, are you upset? We need to be able to establish exactly what's going on. And you are aware that Michael is in part holding you partly responsible. So I think the best thing we can do is so that we're all clear about this is tell you what Michael's saying. He says that you asked him to look after Shannon and let him be some money in for it. Money for it. That's a lie, is that? We'll never let him go nowhere near my kids on, the, on his own. Says that he was, he was supposed to take Shannon back to his house. Stick well, it up, that's what it is. He's trying to get himself out of it. He's not going get, to get out of it because it's a load of lies. Karen was able to leave the station. Two weeks later, family computers were taken from the Matthews home and 140 indecent photos of children were found. Craig Meehan was arrested and all of Karen's kids were signed over to Children's Services. On Sunday, April 6, 2008, uh, neighbors Julie, Natalie, and police family liaison officer DC Christine Freeman confront Karen. She confesses that she was in on the kidnapping plot. DC Freeman calls the police. At 9 p.m., Karen is brought into the Dewsbury police station and is questioned. What we're here for is a good bit of honest truth from you, right? And I'm yeah, not... asking to listen. take Shannon for a while, but... It's... Say that again. I did ask him to take Shannon for a little while. Right, well, tell me when what happened with that, then. Okay, so sort of the... I needed help. Right. I, didn't, I just didn't know how to tell Craig, so I just asked if I remembered it. The way to do it. Oh, well, explain that to me. Explain that to me. When the interviews first started, she was not aversive. She gave various reasons uh, and excuses almost and accounts, um, but none of them are particularly plausible in, in my mind. And that's that's not unusual in my line of work. You will always interview people. You will always want them to explain what they did and why they did it. But sometimes you just got to accept that um, the truth 
can be hard to find. Some people find it difficult to actually tell you the truth at the end of the day. She'd met Mike Donovan uh, at Craig's father's funeral, The Wake. She got chatting to him. I just wanted to know how to get him out of my life. Get what out of your life? Craig. Because I didn't love him anymore. It's the way we treat me and the kids. Yeah. I just didn't want, it, want nothing to do with him, so I just asked Michael for his advice. Karen changed her story many times. She said that she asked Michael to take Shannon so that she could leave Craig. There were also rumors that Michael and Karen had an intimate relationship. However, there are also rumors that Michael was interested in Shannon. There were witnesses that saw Michael putting Shannon on his lap. On Tuesday, April 8th, 2008, Karen was charged with perverting the course of justice and child neglect. She's put in uh, remand while waiting trial, and her Moorside estate is boarded up. Karen also changed her story and said the whole thing was Craig's idea. On Tuesday, September 16th, 2008, Craig Meehan was convicted for possessing child pornography and jailed for 20 weeks. He was released for time served and never returned to Dewsbury. In November 2008, Karen and Michael went on trial. Evidence came out that Michael had drugged Shannon while she was there and that Karen had also been drugging Shannon with Tamazepam since she was 7 years old. A sample of her hair was tested. Michael Donovan had also created a list of rules for Shannon. The rules were, you must not make any noise or bang your feet. You must not go near the windows. You must not do or get anything without me being here. Keep the TV volume low, only up to eight or lower. You can play the Super Mario games. You can play some DVDs and you can play the CD music. It was signed with IPU, which apparently Karen wrote to get her kids to cooperate. An elastic strap was also found to restrict Shannon's movements when Michael wasn't home. On December 4, 2008, Michael and Karen were both found guilty of kidnapping, false imprisonment, and perverting the course of justice. They were both sentenced to eight years in prison. It has never been proven if Craig Meehan was in on this plot. Several other family members were charged throughout this as well. Craig Meehan's sister Alice was charged on suspicion of assisting an offender, Craig's mom, Alice, who was also Michael's sister, was arrested on suspicion of attempting to pervert the course of justice. They were both released without charge. Michael Donovan was released in March 2012 after four years. Karen Matthews was also released after four years, but never regained custody of any of her kids. Shannon Matthews is living under a new identity. I can't even imagine what this poor girl went through. Karen Matthews is a terrible, disgusting human. I believe she didn't care about any of her kids and only wanted money, but didn't want to get a job. The Matthews neighbors said they were disappointed in Karen, but didn't blame her. They spent countless hours searching for Shannon because they cared and thought Karen did too. Karen, Michael, and Craig, and whoever else was involved are all, are all horrible people and deserved way longer sentences. If this case had taken place in the U.S., they probably would have. My book recommendation for this week is The Ballerinas by Rachel Kelpke Dale. Summary. 14 years ago, Delphine abandoned her prestigious soloist spot at the Paris Opera Ballet for a new life in St. Petersburg, taking with her a secret that could upend the lives of her best friends, fellow dancers Lindsay and Margot. Now 36 years old, Delphine has returned to her former home and to the legendary Palace Garner Opera House to choreograph the ballet that will kickstart the next phase of her career 
and she hopes finally make things right with her former friends. But Delphine quickly discovers that things have changed while she's been away, and some secrets can't stay buried forever. I heard about this book from NetGalley, which I love. I can request to read and review books before they even come out. I love this book because when I was younger, I'd go to the Nutcracker Ballet with my grandma's mom and cousin. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the Nutcracker, but I loved it more and more each time. This book is a little less glamorous than the Nutcracker, but it proves that the ballet is far from perfect. Ballet and dance has an age limit on it, and I like that one of the characters wanted to push the boundaries of having an older dancer as the lead. This book also had secrets and jealousy, and if you listen to any of my other episodes, you know that that's my type of book I enjoy the most. Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and I'll be back again next week with a new case and book recommendation. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram at It's Crime O'Clock Somewhere blog pod, email and DM me, and rate and review. All of these will help me so much. That's it for this week, and remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere. <laughs>